0: This is The Guardian.
1: Today, why are we still talking about Nigel Farage's bank account? There can't be many British politicians who have been so effective in public life and failed so spectacularly at the polls. I
3: know you've run seven times and lost seven times, but you... you... I'm really not going to have this. I'm sick to death of your condescending tone. It's about. But Nigel
1: Farage occupies a peculiar space in our national landscape. The former leader of the UKIP party, the Brexit party and Reform UK is no stranger to controversy and attention.
3: The referendum was very clear. We voted to leave the institutions of the European Union and to be free. And, you know, we've had enough.
1: Famously right-wing, Farage is the former public schoolboy who pitches push. himself as an everyman.
3: Well, it's a quiet day, you know. I just thought I'd slip out for a quiet lunchtime drink.
1: Yeah, a yeah, nationalist yeah, a and dogged yeah, anti-Europe yeah. campaigner who, despite never winning a seat, has enormous political clout. But in the last month, Farage has claimed he is a victim of political persecution.
3: Without a bank account, you effectively become a non-person. You don't actually exist. It's like the worst regimes of the mid-20th century, be they in Russia or Germany.
1: After discovering that Kutz, his elite bank, considered his, and I quote, racist, xenophobic and chauvinistic views to be out of step with its values, Farage has waged a war against what he calls woke Capitalism, and he has the full-throated support of government ministers.
3: Does my right honorable friend share my unease that a bank that has the government as its largest shareholder should close the account of a senior opposition politician?
1: Will he... The Guardian's Kalina Markortov has been reporting on the twists and turns of Farage's bank account drama. You know, I think. I think. One thing that everyone can agree on with Nigel Farage
4: is that he's a very effective campaigner. And I think we all started to wonder how far he was going to take this when he first
1: started speaking about losing his bank account. The scandal has already forced the resignation of Alison Rose, CEO of the NatWest Banking Group, who was hired to transform the company.
4: She was really seen as this person who was going to give the bank purpose, focusing on sustainability, inclusivity. We have a fully diverse represented
1: board. Uh, my executive team now is over 30% female and we have targets at our CEO minus four level. Right the way through the She's been swiftly followed by the head of Coutts, Peter Flavell, who stepped down after saying that he took ultimate responsibility. But can a bank legally close down your account? And under what circumstances? From The Guardian, I'm Nosheen Iqbal. Today in Focus, Nigel Farage versus the banks. Kalina Makortoff, you're The Guardian's banking correspondent, and you've been following this sorry saga of Nigel Farage's bank account for a few weeks now. Can you remind us where it all began? This all starts with a Twitter post from Nigel Farage explaining that he has
4: unfairly had his bank accounts closed.
3: I got a phone call a couple of months ago to say, we are closing your accounts. I asked why. No reason was given. I was told a letter would come which would explain everything. The letter came through and simply said, we are closing your accounts. We want to finish it all by a date, uh, which is around about now.
4: So we we understand at that point from his video that he was simply told that it was a commercial decision that his bank accounts were closed. But he suspects that there's something more going on, potentially linked to his status as a politically exposed person or a PEP, which does require banks to do additional checks for reasons of financial crime,
1: potential corruption, all of that. It's, it's not uncommon. So at that point, this was a story that was pretty much going viral on Twitter, but we only had Nigel Farage's version of events. And then a week later, the BBC's business editor Simon Jack broke a story that put a rocket behind Farage's claims. What did Jack report? So we found out two things from that BBC report, one of which
4: was that the bank in question was Coots, and secondly, that the commercial decision that Coots had taken before closing Farage's account had to do with their financial threshold, which requires customers to hold at least three million pounds in savings or a million pounds in investments, this seemed to counter the narrative that Farage was putting out at that point, which is that this was linked to his status as a politically exposed person.
3: The worst of the story is they denied to me on the phone on Friday that I was a pet, a politically exposed person. That's the reason nobody else will have me, and coots are, frankly, being very. Very dishonest indeed.
4: The government was already bending to support. I mean, this was an issue that had been rumbling on for ages. A lot of MPs complain that they face barriers in financial services because of the burdensome checks that banks perceive that they need as a result of that PEP status.
0: So this sort of closure on political grounds, if that is indeed what has happened, and after all we only have the allegation of it at this point, uh, should be completely unacceptable. PEPs is there to prevent the corrupt use of banking facilities uh, by politicians in corrupt regimes. It is not here to silence individuals who may hold views with which we may or may not agree.
1: Okay, so Farage then confirms that the bank is Coots, But how does he respond to what they say? And do they offer him any alternative options? So we also
4: are aware at this point that NatWest Group, you know, the the parent company that owns Coots owns NatWest, owns Royal Bank of Scotland branches, has offered Farage a standard account. Now, the the exact timing that this was offered is contested. He had suggested I've already been, you know, denied by a handful of other banks to have an account opened. I am essentially debanked. And um, whether it was right of NatWest to wait until that point to offer alternative banking operations at
1: its high street bank is a matter of debate. So you've mentioned debanked. Can you just explain a bit more, what does debanking actually mean? When I hear the word
4: debanked, this is usually talking about people who have absolutely no access to any form of account. Now, we do have rules in the UK that require banks to offer basic bank accounts. Now, this is, this is incredibly limited. This is payments in, payments out. Still, not everyone uh, ends up getting these. And it's, it's a huge problem across the country. But you should be able, even if a bank says, we can't offer you a standard account, you say, no, 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 but I know you can offer me a basic bank account. Now, it, it, it seemed pretty clear that Farage wanted more than that.
1: So Nigel Farage appears to go on a moral crusade at this point. How does the truth behind his bank account then come out? So we see a report in the Telegraph
4: suggesting that they've seen this dossier that Nigel Farage has obtained via a subject access request. And that's you know a request any person can make from, from an organization getting information about them um, handed to them in, in a document. So we, we wake up to that information and hours later, the full 40 page document is published on the mail online.
1: What kind of things were in that document? What were the banks saying about Nigel Farage in private? So we have two
4: things that are released via the subject access request, and one of which is this document that has been handed to Coots's Wealth and Reputational Risk Committee.
3: Good evening. Well, last night I told you that I'd received the subject access data I'd requested from Coutts Bank, the bank who cancelled my account. Now, bear in mind, this is important. It is 40 pages long.
4: This is not very common. Even as a banking correspondent, you don't get to see these kind of documents often. And they're not meant for public consumption. They're uh, written in in very casual language, as we can see here. And I don't think anyone thought it would see the light of day. Um, And what we get from a lot of these reports are, they seem to be a confirmation of what internally coots is concerned about
3: it has linked to it at least 83 separate news and media articles every single one of them against me the word brexit is mentioned 86 times i get the feeling the corporate banks will never forgive anybody involved with the campaign and appallingly the word russia is mentioned 140 four times. Yes, all part of the Russia hoax. The word racist is used 12 times. Well, I suppose we could have expected that.
4: So within this document, we see their concerns about what they claim are, quote, xenophobic, chauvinistic and racist views. They talk about, you know, his ties to controversial politicians like Donald Trump, his views on issues like migration, his views on Putin and Russia, things that they kind of say in in turn are are not really in line with our views and our purpose. They also say, you know, kind of maintaining his accounts pose a risk to the bank's reputation. And now if you go back to think about sort of how Coots is trying to position itself as it tries to approach new wealth, younger people who who kind of want more than just a bank manager to, to manage their assets, but to do something, quote, good for the world. It seems as if they're trying to figure out whether this individual, whether he fits with those. And that's where we start coming up against some concern. They also did highlight the fact that he had been below their commercial criteria. I'm suggesting he had fallen below that 1 million investment threshold, 3 million in savings requirement. And they talked about the fact that his mortgage was coming to an end, and that this would potentially provide the opportunity for a uh, an exit in order to, to start to sever that relationship.
1: So can you tell me a bit more about Coots? I know it's always been referred to as the Queen's Bank and it's synonymous with the royals and the super wealthy. But what can you tell me about how it usually operates and why Farage would be so keen to keep his business there?
4: So Coots is the exclusive private bank that has been the bank of choice for most royals for hundreds of years. So when you start thinking about, you know, who publicly we know has banked with them, you have Emma Watson, you have rapper Stormzy, um, you can go on this rooftop garden where they think they've got an apiary with bees. So not only are they managing your finances, but they also have, you know, quite an extensive concierge service or lifestyle manager, depending on how you look at it. Um, This can mean, you know, getting you tickets to an Adele concert that's been sold out or organizing a four-day stag party in Barcelona. Um, You know, I think uh, we've confirmed that at times they've even arranged for an elephant last minute at a wedding reception. quite extensive.
1: Well, for a bank concerned with maintaining its elite public image, it must have been galling to see that private correspondence splashed across the papers. So how did Coutts and the BBC respond to Farage's dossier? So at the time, there was not a lot said from the bank itself.
4: But simultaneously, you know, a report comes out in the Telegraph saying that Alison Rose was actually sitting next to Simon Jack at a BBC correspondence dinner the night before the story about him not reaching the financial threshold was published.
1: Oh, that doesn't look
4: great. It doesn't. At that point, we don't know what was said what questions were
3: asked. The question then was, where did uh, Mr Jack get that story? A newspaper said he'd sat next to uh, Alison Rose, the CEO of NatWest, which owns Coots, at dinner the night before he broke the story. Question then was, was the chief executive of a bank that's 40% owned by the taxpayer sharing bank account information with a journalist? A very, very difficult position for them to be in.
4: And, you know, what follows in the coming days is a lot of pontification. We even get Boris Johnson writing in the Daily Mail um, saying, "I was not there, but I can imagine what might have been asked, what Alison Rose must have said, what her obligations would have been to maintain, you know, customer confidentiality."
3: And it is outrageous that a bank has decided to shut him down to debanking. It is a threat to the freedom. Uh, I believe of millions of millions of people in this country.
1: And so what happened
4: next? Immediately, there was no comment from Coots or NatWest. This is where we start seeing the government, particular ministers, um, raise concerns about whether banks, whether businesses in general, should be making decisions which in their view might limit freedom of speech or discriminate on the basis of freedom of speech.
3: Uh, Mr. Speaker, last week, Nigel Farage publicized the cancellation of his bank account under the Politically Exposed Persons Regulation. But he is only the latest of a number of people to have their lives wrecked by this regulation.
4: There are rules that we actually inherited from the EU, which say that you cannot discriminate and you know withhold or, or cancel bank accounts on the basis of protected characteristics of things like race and gender, but also on the basis of political belief. Mm. And this is where also the debate starts to get muddled, is that what constitutes a political belief versus a harmful opinion, versus something that, say, a a bank or a business could say, this does not align with our values, this is not someone we want to do business with. Is it the fact that you just have to be on the right side of legal speech?
1: So coming back to these documents that Farage compiled and made public, it all sounds embarrassing and exposing for Cootes, What did the bank have to say? So
4: move forward to the next day's news cycle. And at this point, it's not confirmed, you know, where the BBC's sourcing has come from, but they have issued an apology saying that uh, a senior source had provided them information, but they were now making a correction in light of the dossier that had been published. And then we get this apology from Alison Rose. This is about what she says are deeply inappropriate comments in these now published papers prepared for Kutz's wealth committee, she says, I would like to make it clear that they do not reflect the view of the bank and that she believes very strongly in freedom of expression and that access to banking is fundamental. And she says that, look, we're, we're commissioning this full review of the Coutts process for how these decisions are made and communicated. And that report will be coming back to her as NatWest Group CEO.
3: It's always good to get an apology, and particularly from somebody running a bank with 19 million customers. So thank you for the apology. But it it does feel ever so slightly forced. Uh, the Treasury made her do this. I, I have no doubt about that. And I, I do want so to So tell say me
1: more about Alison Rose and her reputation in the city up until this point. She has been at NatWest
4: her entire career. By the time she came uh, to be CEO, I think she had been there for 27 years, like gone up the ranks from graduate trainee... To the very top of the organization, she was very well respected. It's very hard to find someone within the city who will say a bad word about her. You know, By the time that she came to be CEO of NatWest Group, she was one of, I think, six female CEOs on the FTSE 100. The first female CEO to lead Royal Bank of Scotland, now NatWest Group. She had a number of government accolades and projects. In January of this year, she was uh, on the honours list. So very um, well respected. Very well respected. Even, even up until last week, she was invited onto Rishi Sunak's business council. People saw her as loyal, you know, very intelligent, warm, but to the point,
1: inclusive. So from everything you say, a very credible, highly respected figure in the industry. And, you know, she's at this point still has the backing of the board even after she's made that apology to Nigel Farage. But then she's under increasing pressure.
4: Alison Rose comes out with this statement confirming that there was a conversation with Simon Jack and that she made what she called a serious error of judgment in discussing Mr. Farage's relationship with the bank. But she says, believing it was public knowledge, she confirmed that Mr. Farage was Coot's customer, that he had been offered a NatWest Bank account alongside this she said that she repeated what farage had already stated that the bank saw this as a commercial decision and in responding to simon jack she said she didn't reveal any personal information about farage and in a general question about eligibility criteria said that that guidance was publicly available on the website and she says you know i recognize that i left simon jack with the impression that the decision to close Farage's account was solely a commercial, you know, financial threshold one. She says she was wrong and again apologizes. And alongside that, you have the chairman's statement. He says, you know, we've noted what the circumstances were. Um, We have thought about this carefully and we've concluded that the board retains full confidence in Alison Rose as CEO of the bank.
1: But that doesn't hold, does it?
4: No, it does not. This does not hold. We understand that given that there had been c- quite consistent communication between Treasury and Nat West, sources suggest that the Treasury was fully aware of what this statement was going to say. But reaction started coming out via reports in the hours that followed suggesting that not all was well within the cabinet, that the Chancellor was upset, that the prime minister started getting involved and there started to be calls to the board.
1: Well, given the government own around 39% of NatWest's shares, I guess they have a literal stake in this story. So what happens next?
4: NatWest board convenes for a virtual meeting at around 10, 10.30 uh, on Tuesday night. And there was sort of a mutual, mutual agreement for her to resign.
0: NatWest's chief executive Dame Alison Rose has resigned. She'd been severely criticised after revealing she was the source of an inaccurate BBC report about Nigel Farage's account at Coutts Bank, which is part of NatWest Group. Last night, Downing Street expressed significant concerns about her conduct. Dame Alison's departure was announced hours later.
4: Now this statement finally comes out at 1.30 in the morning on Wednesday. A long meeting. A long meeting. But keep in mind, this is incredibly rare. The government is not one to usually be hands on in terms of the management of that stake in the bank that they hold sort of around 39% of the shares. The last time that the government was understood to have been yielding its influence um, on NatWest was still in the wake of the financial crisis. So on things like executive pay shortly after the bailout.
1: Kalina, in your experience, were there any red flags in the reporting of this story? And essentially, why did Alice and Rose get into so much trouble?
4: So even as a banking
1: correspondent,
4: it's incredibly rare to have any bank confirm that someone is a customer, no matter how high or low profile they are. Whether you're a bank teller, a bank cashier, or the CEO of a bank, you know client confidentiality is paramount. And, you know, there's so many layers to this story. But ultimately, in the end, it came down to that issue about discussing a client on the part of a bank that is bound by those confidentiality
1: rules. Coming up, how will Nigel Farage's campaign change British banking? Kalina, there are quite a few Muslim individuals and organisations that have also had their accounts closed, they say without reason. The Cordoba Foundation, Finsby Park Mosque, charities like Islamic Relief UK, I could go on. And they make unlikely bedfellows with Nigel Farage. So does a bank legally have the right to deny its services to anyone it doesn't want to do business with?
4: So again, this this is very interesting and it was it was almost quite fortuitous timing that as this was all coming out, we have the head of the city regulator, the financial conduct authority, coming in front of the Treasury Select Committee. And they say, Well, look, you know, banks are allowed to make you think of the umbrella, commercial decisions. Mm. That could mean, yes, that I deny someone on the basis that they don't align with my values. I want to maintain this type of business. And so here are the target demographic that I'm going to choose. But the caveat there is, of course, again, but we have rules that you cannot discriminate against people on you know, race, gender, and, of course, political views. So, I mean, I did a story a couple of years ago about... Sex workers and people within the sex industry who had had accounts denied, funds frozen, uh, or accounts closed without explanation. Particularly on the sex worker point, for example, they would say, well, you know, this industry is not regulated. We can't tell whether there's going to be, you know, sex trafficking risk. So we don't even want to touch it. And some people might say, if, if, if sex workers are operating within the law, surely they should be allowed to have financial services. And this continues to be sort of a back and forth debate.
1: But a bank account is obviously a necessity, you know, one which becomes even more obvious when you don't have access to one. But do we actually have legal rights as citizens to bank accounts?
4: In the UK, you are meant to have access to basic bank accounts. Now, this does not include overdrafts or anything fancy, if you want to call it that. It's literally payments in, payments out. And, and people, for various reasons, still don't get access to that. And some banks do not make it clear that if they say, we're denying you an account, it's usually a standard account rather than that basic offering. So, on, on a legal basis, yes.
1: So, what could this mean for the industry in the future? Will there now be a total clampdown on the right of banks to close customers' accounts for political reasons? Will there be any further fallout from Alison Rose's leaving NatWest? There's quite a few
4: potential repercussions of this firestorm of a story <laughs> that culminated in this resignation this week. You know, when, when it comes to these reforms that government has been suggesting are going to, you know, strengthen people's democratic rights to, you know, financial services, they say, well, we've we always upheld these standards. We never clamp down for reasons of, you know, political expression, political beliefs. Um, we're, we've been asking them, well, are, you know, it, it, are you how 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 confident are you that that's the case are you doing internal reviews and the line is well this never was a problem anyway whether it's about opening accounts or closing them now they may be a bit more careful in how they write internal reports knowing that they may be subject to subject access requests by customers which could potentially go public and in terms of you know what this means for uk business i think we're understanding from sources within government and within, you know, the regulators, that there's some concern that these decisions, the way this influence may have been yielded, is causing some upset about what this means for UK business, the community here, how we may attract foreign investment, how people will feel about engagement with the government. Earlier this year, the government has been pushing for more reform in the city, really promoting financial services, trying to, you know, engage in a way that'll free up finances to support, you know, startups and, you know, the next Silicon Valley. From conversations I'm having, a lot of people are confused about whether this is sort of a political showdown ahead of a an election where you're kind of hitting out against an industry that... It, for a variety of reasons is not popular they know that it's not clear how far this will spiral out and yet other people say well i don't think this would have played out similarly if it was a bank like barclays or lloyds where there wasn't a large state shareholding
1: and what about the suggestion coming from banks that actually the new rules that the government intends to impose Contravenes other rules that they have and responsibilities that banks have to monitor money laundering or any potential criminality when it comes to their customers.
4: Yeah, so we have had experts raise concerns about what transparency around the reasons behind bank account closures will mean for fighting financial crime. So currently, one of the reasons that you don't find out usually why your bank account was closed was because There is a rule, you're not allowed to tip off anyone who is under investigation for financial crime, whether that's saying you're being monitored, or you're just too much of a risk. And um, we've passed this along to um, the National Crime Agency. What they've done is just say, well, we're not going to tell anybody anything, (laughs) for the most part. Under these reforms, it's plausible that people will be told why their bank's accounts were closed for every reason except for financial crime. So it's almost by withholding that information that you're telling them exactly what's happened. And I think there is some negotiation that needs to take place in terms of how to balance those risks.
1: Kalina, I can't be the only person who winces at the fact that Nigel Farage, a politician who has been sucking the oxygen out of the British media for two decades, has managed to embark on this moral crusade. And it's been a massive own goal from Coutts and from NatWest. Now, He claims that this is, and I quote, woke capitalism and that this mess should serve as a warning to brands trying to mix politics with business. How fair do you think that is? I think that's incredibly challenging. And I think
4: the risks are whether that means an end to a certain type of, say, you know, Perspectives of inclusivity, you know, whether that's on trans rights, or even environmental issues. Whether a bank is able to say we're not going to bank a fossil fuel company because it doesn't align with our values, and we have strategies that say we're going to be net zero by 2030 or 2050. Could you see intervention that say either that's too woke? There, There are so many ways to parse this. And depending on who you speak to, they're either thrilled or extremely concerned.
1: I'll take concern. Kalina thank you so much. Thank you. That was Kalina Mukhertoff, The Guardian's banking correspondent. To read her reporting on this story and more, head to theguardian.com. And that's it for today. My name is Narsheen Iqbal, and this episode was produced by Lucy Hoff and Alex Atak. Sound design is by Solomon King. The executive producer was Khmer Khalili. I hope you have a lovely weekend. See you again on Monday.
0: This is The Guardian.
2: Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts?